We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Time-killing season is almost over. Basketball's nearly here. And no one is more excited about that than Frank Nilakina, because he may actually get some playing time now. Oh, I kid, I kid. Jeremy Cohen. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? Hey, John. Doing all right. How are you? I'm good. Uh, as are you. I am recording from a uh, n- not a normal location because it's my it's my daughter's fifth birthday. Uh, actually, no, not this weekend. It's on Tuesday, but we're celebrating it um, uh, at family's house. So I am holed up in a room that uh, is is blue. It's very blue. It's a very blue room, which is appropriate probably for the the tenor of today's uh, episode, or maybe not. I guess we'll, we'll see when we get into it. How are you, Jeremy? Yeah. Living life. Later, I'm going to go to a nice uh, beer festival. Some, it's called red, white, and brews. They got a lot of beer tasting. So that'd be great. College football's on. Oh yeah. It's Saturday folks, by the way. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a good weekend. Um, yes. Uh, there's, I get to smack a pinata later. So, Ooh. I mean, what more could you? What more could you want? Um, so we're obviously going to uh, spend. Well, I don't know uh, how much of today's episode because there's, a, a, you know, as has been the case for a few weeks, there's not a ton going on. Um, Mitch has gained some weight. We're going to touch on that in a bit. We're going to play our trivia game again, uh, where my winning streak will double in length. Um, but yeah, I mean, where else are we going to start other than the obvious? Um, can I quote Sex in the City? Yes, sure. So for those who don't know, for who, who's never heard me talk about this before, um, my mom and I, for I don't know when it was, the early part of the 2000s, we were the only two people living in our house. And uh, the uh, bonding activity that we, mother and son, chose to do together was watch Sex in the City. So I'm uh, admittedly a very big Sex in the City fan. And I tend to think of lines from the show when I'm trying to come up with stuff to, you know, make something fit. And there's a line from Sex in the City in which Carrie is talking about 
Mr. Big, played by the immortal Chris North. Andrew, are you a big Sex and the City fan? No, he's shaking his head. Jeremy, I'm assuming you're not either. I have not seen it. Okay, so do you, you, neither of you guys know much about the, their relationship in the show? No, I do. I know about that. I've, I've, okay. I actually saw the first movie on a plane. That's not anything like having watched the series. Neither well, I know that, but you're asking me if I know the relationship and I'm just giving okay. you context. So, well that, but that's after, so that's like after the storm. I know that I two characters exist and I know they have had an on and off again relationship. Is that, is that appropriate? Is that acceptable? Yes. And okay. there was much pain inflicted by big towards Carrie throughout the show. And at one point I, I should know which season the line was set in, but I, I don't. Um, but it was, you know, at some point you've, you've used up all your tears on a certain, like every relationship gets a certain amount of tears allotted to it. And at some point you, you, you use the, all of them up and, and they're gone and you don't have any left. And I feel like the only appropriate entree into our conversation about one Frank Milikina is for me to just start out by admitting I used up all my tears on Frank a long time ago. And this is not going to be a surprise to anyone who's read a newsletter from this year in which I mentioned Frank or anybody who's listened to this podcast in which we talked about Frank. I just kind of, I ran out of energy. So um, we'll talk about him and I will say some words and you will say some words and words will be exchanged. But like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like today is some incredibly sad day because Frank Milikian is no, no longer a Nick. Um, I can't do it. I don't have it in me. And I just feel like the only appropriate way for me to start out this episode is by admitting that. So there it is. Yeah, I mean, that's fair in the sense of as it feels like well, I mean, the last two seasons, you've kind of been leaving the island. I don't know that I would say, I mean, if you really want to get into it, I think. Well, yes, I do. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into okay. it. Let's get into it. What, what are the, um, what, again, what are we going to do? No, I, okay. So, get into so it. let's go back two years to the draft. Uh, 2019 draft, the RJ Barrett draft. And I mentioned this in my newsletter this week. There was, I think it was Berman had the rumor uh, that the Knicks were, I don't know. It wasn't like actively shopping, but like it's, it seemed like he was on his way out. And then he survived that night. And then that uh, season, of course, was the the second Fisdale season, and I, I mean, you know that there was Alondro Trier, and there was you know Alfred Payton was injured, and like we got enough Frank that year, and there was some decent Frank that year that like I personally had not let go of the rope yet, um, and then that was the season where he missed the last what was it. 30 some odd games, 20 some odd games. He missed the end. He missed the end of the season. He missed. It was like maybe 35 games, but then he came back and then he yes. got hurt again. And then he got hurt again. And that was like, I, but, but before he got hurt that last time where he, he did not finish the season, like, and then obviously the pandemic shut things down and the Knicks didn't go to the bubble. But like leading up to that, I still, there was still gasps of air in, in me towards like, okay, Let's get on the mountaintop. Let's get let's let's mount the soapbox one more time, and and just and just yell into the clouds about why this person needs to be playing. And then he got injured, and then they finished this that horrible, miserable, no good, very good or no good, very bad season. And um and then we got to this year, and this year was this year, which was a really good, fun fucking year in which we got a lot of things to root for and a lot of players to really get behind and like 
Emmanuel quickly stole all of our hearts and Julius Randle made an NBA team. And like, I could go on and on and on. And I don't know exactly when it happened this year, but at some point this year, I definitely was like, yeah, I have only so much energy and I'm going to devote it towards like covering and analyzing and thinking about the team that I'm seeing on the floor, which is really pretty fucking good and a lot of fun. And Frank's not really a part of that. And you know what, whether that's right or wrong, I just, I, I don't care anymore. I don't care. So when did it happen exactly? I don't know. Maybe with that last injury the previous season, if you want to try to nail it down. The second season. No, the third. This was his fourth season. So his the injury that ended his third, his third season. But what because ended his third season was COVID. So then we're so see, this is see, this is why you can't it's impossible to have a discussion about Frank, because like there have been so many things that have happened over the course of time. I thought he was injured. And and ended his third season, like was not on the active roster because he was hurt, like by the time they got to that last Atlanta game. But you're you're telling me he was still active. No, he was. I mean, if we're talking about the, the last the Hawks game. Yeah, the, the Hawks COVID game. season. So he was active. I mean, the okay. game before that he, was his Washington game. Ah, that was when he, when he posted 20 and 10. So I'm confused. You're right. I'm confusing his second year and his third year. Right. Which, again, there's just but, so much history there. Sure. I but can't even keep it straight. If memory serves. I remember you you're right. no, you're writing right. a newsletter about Dennis Smith Jr. and kind of like Frank is the forgotten man and the focus is on DSJ. Before which season? Before the fourth season, this past season. Yeah, I think I think I probably wrote that because I think my view my viewpoint before this this past season was that um I thought if anybody could get Dennis Smith Jr. back on track, it would be Tom Thibodeau. And I thought, but, but then why? Why well, I'm just curious. Why doesn't the same be said for Frank? Because I thought I thought Dennis. I mean, it's funny to say now because you know Dennis Smith Jr. was like a non non person this year, um, because he was a Dennis Smith Jr. At least in theory, was an aggressive driving point guard who needed to have a lot of kinks worked out in his game. But I thought there was still the guy there that had a, you know, not a good rookie season, but like did things during his rookie season. And I thought if he could get his head on straight and he like bought in and the whole thing, maybe Tibbs would be able to resurrect his career. And I I recall specifically, I think in a preseason episode, we did a crossover with locked on Knicks. I think I was like, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to like open this. I think that was my crazy prediction that Dennis Smith Jr. would open the season as the starting point guard. And like, he would actually be decent. So much for that. So yeah, I'm I'm sorry. It, it it really does all run together at this point with Frank. The injuries, the benchings, the this, that, the other thing. And it's like, it's because I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about him over the last year. I guess the, it feels like, and I'm seeing this with Mitch too, this idea of kind of like these players are injury prone where they have one significant injury earlier in their career and then they have nagging things here and there and they're labeled injury prone, which to me, that doesn't constitute as injury prone, right? Like, like Porzingis at, at first it was like me saying, Oh no, he's not injury prone. It's fine. But then they pile up to a much greater extent than something like with Frank or with Mitch. I mean, it seemed like it wasn't even just the ACL. It was other things with, with Porzingis, like the ankle injury. And then when yeah. he called himself the lizard or whatever it was, um, the fact that he he's did he did he do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think because he because he regenerates and grows back. Um, Talk about things about, I blocked out of my memory, right? Yeah, uh, or how that how he played one April game 
the entire time he was with the Knicks and then didn't play the fourth season. And then the fifth season, they still didn't play an April game because of COVID. And then he played a few games in the bubble and then got hurt and then missed it. Bottom line is I feel like with Frank, I get it, right? I understand why people are out on him. I also see why people are very much in on him. I, I, I'm probably, I lean more to the side of being in on him. And it's a sort of thing where I get it, you know, at a certain point, Frank has to step up hundred percent. I also look at the circumstances that kind of circle his entire Nick's tenure and how basically, if you think about it, the one constant over the last four seasons up until a week ago, not even was Frank Nielakina, which just goes to show you yeah. the dysfunction of a roster and of a franchise. I mean, the idea of you get drafted and the person who is responsible for, for drafting you and the vision that they have of the team and the role you're going to play. And I understand if the, you know, if pure triangle is more outdated and, and it could have been somewhat of a, of a, I don't want to say failure, but it wouldn't have gone very well at least without other actions running and, and a more modern offense. And, but, but Jackson's out. And then Steve Mills, the incomparable Steve Mills rises to power. They inherit a coach. They, you know, he hires Scott Perry and, and you've certainly said enough glowing things about Scott Perry where we don't have to rehash them, but he hires both of them yeah. or he hires him. You can't fire Jeff Hornacek because that's really awkward. And that's well, just not going to be a good look. They probably could have, but they didn't. I don't think so. The idea of coming in being like, hey, <laughs> I've risen to power. I'm going to fire the head coach. I, it would have been a bad look, even if we like or dislike Jeff Hornacek. Yeah. To me, he's he's very milk toast. I don't, you know, he, he was like, okay, cool. It, it would not the have wonder been bread the, of coaches. Whatever. It, yeah, exactly. It would not have been the expected thing. I think most people would have been like, well, why fire Jeff Hornacek? What was Jeff Hornacek supposed to do last year? Right. Exactly. So Jeff Hornacek's there. The Knicks bring in players who are supposed to guide Frank. And maybe they do, you know, from a developmental standpoint, we don't really know what happens behind closed doors. But I do know that, you know, bringing in Jarrett Jack, for example, Ramon Sessions, who then was kicked out, it felt like the Knicks were trying to take ridiculous next steps that weren't good next steps. It was like, hey, we're, we're just trying not to be the worst teams here or among the worst teams. And lo and behold, they were pretty bad, uh, bad enough where they were in Kevin Knox range, but not bad enough where they could have gotten to, you know, Luka Doncic, DeAndre yeah. Ayton, whatever that top five. Yeah. Was. Try young. And all of that's happening. Frank Nielkina really isn't seeing much time on the court, which is frustrating because you want to get value out of your first round pick, let alone a lottery pick. I think the one thing that gets lost in a lot of people is the picks from six to 10. There's this expectation of that guy needs to be a starter. And, and the funny thing is that history doesn't prove that a lot of those guys are starters. It, well, it goes, it varies from number to number, right? Like eight is a graveyard of awful draft picks, but nine is phenomenal. And yet, of course the Knicks, they didn't do well at eight with Frank, but no. they also didn't do well at nine with Knox. So no. the point being that, it's very hit or miss. It's not like the baseline has to be a starter. No, the baseline is probably a, a backup. Unfortunately, that's just 
the randomness of how the NBA lottery is or, or the draft in that sense and the level of talent that's likely to exist in a draft class. So I, I, but can I just jump in? I sure. think, I wonder, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I wonder how much of that is, and this is going to relate to the Knicks and not the current Knicks, but the previous regime in, in particular, um, I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that teams that are drafting often in the top 10 are not the best NBA franchises. Not ex- not all the time. Obviously, there are certainly exceptions, but uh, much of the time, they are not the best NBA franchises. And, you know, you get teams that draft in that range oftentimes year after year after year. This is not the Knicks because the Knicks often traded away those picks before they had a chance to make them. Um, but like... I just wonder what that has to do with it and whether there are GMs around the league that see what teams often do and who they pick and how they develop those players. And they're like, wow, what a joke. If you gave me a chance to have a pick that high, I would do, you know, much, much better. Now, again, who the hell knows? Because this this is we're talking in like things that are impossible to prove. But I just. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much of a of an excuse that that actually is for, I, I, I understand you're just trying to put it in context, but I, I, but, I think there's but, more to it. But that's the thing. If I'm by applying context, that's further trying to show the lens of what really happened. Right. That, like, If we're going to talk about where things went wrong, we have to provide context. I think that <sighs> because so here's that, the thing, it, yeah. clearly the Knicks did not see Frank as an on ball player, no matter who was in charge. They didn't, they tried it. It wasn't yeah. working. They wanted a more aggressive player. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a role. And of that's course. why when the second season rolled around, it was the inaugural Fizdale year. Yes. And I get why you have Kevin Knox out there because they finally leaned into being bad. It was at a certain point where it was like, great, you know, we're not going to be a good team. Let's just, let's try. But I, I, even if you asked them at the beginning of the year, they wouldn't have said, let's tank for Zion because first of all, Zion was not Zion until like November. And they had an entire cool. free agency where they effectively, and it wasn't free agency. I mean, they, they couldn't do anything, right? Yeah, Cancer opted in. And so they had really no choice. They then basically signed Hizonia and Mitchell Robinson to a contract. Yep. That was it. So they didn't want to be that bad, but then they realized, oh, this is a bad team. Oh, Zion's doing well. We'll lean into it. And also they thought they could use their connections or whatever to land two superstars. And it didn't, and it didn't it happen. It didn't happen. But even while all that's going on and you're running Kevin Knox out there, you know, for most of the games that he's playing and it's some, you know, he was the rookie of the month in, I think, December. Right. So you think, okay, there's, there's tangible progress there, but you still have, you know, Neil Aquino languishing on the bench. He's getting DNPs for no reason. And then that's what makes it even more frustrating. Of course, the injuries that he had, specifically the groin injury that caused him to miss so much time that sucked, but because of the fact that he also had missed time for just like run of the mill DNPs, it's like, okay, what are, what is like, that could have been time that could have been used to try to work this out. Of course, this is during a second year when there's more hope, there's more promise. It's like, there's an asset here. Try to at least build it up a little bit. Don't just let it diminish to zero. So I think you've nailed a couple of inflection points on the Frank tenure, but I want to, I do want to get back to something you said earlier, but just to recap. So his rookie year after they draft him, 
Um, they signed Jared Jack. Jared Jack's the starter. I don't think that's one of the inflection points because I don't think it's uncommon for a team to like not want to start a rookie point guard from game one, especially one that's what was he 19 when he was drafted? 18, 19? I'm 18. He's 18. Okay. So I don't think that's like an inflection point. And I think all things considered, they they ran him out there a good deal as a rookie. I think he played an appropriate amount of minutes as a rookie for the most part. Could you have played him a little bit more down the stretch? Sure. Um, were there some misgivings? Absolutely. I think the inflection points all came in um, season two. One, which Schwinn, if you're listening, hi, Schwinn. Uh, he ranted and raved about this for, for years. He may still be ranting and raving about it, is when they... Um, Fisdale played Frank five minutes uh, in the hold on. I have it up right here. The uh, the Orlando game, he had been starting the whole season before that benched him, didn't put him back in the game. Uh, he never started another game for. Uh, oh, sorry. He started the last two games of, of that season, which gets us to the second inflection point, which was the injury, the, the final injury, which is what I was mistakenly thinking happened during his third season happened during his second where the Miami game was, was his last game because he had been reinserted into the starting lineup. You think, okay, another chance here to prove himself. And he went down with an injury. I think that the third year, the year. So when RJ is on the team, that just that mess of a 2019, 20 season, the, the last Fisdale year. Um, I feel like, the ship had already not sailed, but you know, the sails were up right by that point. The writing was on the wall, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have tried to make it work. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes, that, 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 that you're right. That doesn't mean that they couldn't have tried to make it work and they didn't try to make it work. Um, I guess where, where I'm, and, and, Thank you for reminding me about the Washington game. How could I for, how could I ever forget the 20 points? 20 points in his in his second or last game of that season. But like, all right, so you want to give me COVID as a third inflection point? Like, who knows what would have happened towards the end of that year? I don't know. That's that's fair. But like we're talking about all these inflection points. And again, admittedly, a lot of this shit has run together in my head because it's just it, it has. Um at some point, and I am not the first or the second or the hundredth person to say this, but like he played how many minutes total? I don't know. You may have it up in front of you. How many total minutes do you think Frank played in his NBA career? I do so have far? it up in front of me. Oh, you, okay. So then it's, it's, it's 4,119. Really. So it's 4,000 over 4,000 minutes. You get a possession for your team. Roughly, you know, once a minute, 24 seconds shot clock. Not perfect science, right? But it's about. So what did he have maybe to work with over the course? 4,000, 4,200, 4,500 possessions on the offensive side of the ball over the four years he was with the team. I, I it's, it's really tough for me. And again, I'm not excusing all the jerking around they did. And, and if you ask me, could you concoct in a lab a worse scenario for a rookie to try to go into a league and, and acclimate himself and gain a foothold. I think the Knicks pretty much nailed it. They were like, we, we have figured out the way to give the, try to fuck this kid over as much as humanly possible. 
let's go ahead and do it. And they did it. It's, it's almost as if, if you told me that, I'd be like, you know what? It's that reasonable. That's how much they jerked him around. All that being said, it's not like he didn't have an opportunity, which is, and again, I've probably made this speech at some point over the last year. The fault is not all on the Knicks. I don't know if it's 50-50. I don't know if it's 60-40 one way or another. I don't know if it's 70-30 one way or another. You could tell me it's any of those things. But the guy played 4,000 minutes in a Nick uniform. And by the end of that time, not only did the Knicks think he was worth bringing back, and Tibbs seemed to like him for what it's worth, um, but 28 other teams, or 29 other teams, I guess, waited a month and a half. And then Dallas signed them just now. Now, might there be some other reasons why you're giving me a face and that's fine, but I'm giving you a face just because I I think I understand what you're saying in terms of the minutes, but look at how many of those possessions Frank was told to just stand in the corner and wait was, and then the ball never arrived to him. But this, but this gets us back to the same thing, which is like, was told to stand in the corner and the ball never arrived to, to him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Part of why we loved Frank for so many years is because he didn't force the issue to the detriment of his team. He cared more about doing what he was told and fitting in a role and just being able to be out there and help the team win. Right. That's what we love about Frank. But I doesn't every player in the NBA need to have a certain amount of shit to him where like. But he he said in the past, I want to play more. I want more responsibilities. He said that. And why wouldn't he, right? What, what I, player would would say, I don't want the ball more than I have it. I'm good. 1,000, 1,000 percent. And for Frank to have been like, you know what? Fuck what they're telling me. I'm getting the ball at the top of the key. I'm driving the lane. I don't really care what they're telling me to do. That would have been so beyond out of character for him. And it would take away some of what made us fall in love with him in the first place. And at the same time. If he had taken that approach at any point in time in his tenure, you know what? I bet some of the people upstairs would be like, whoa, wait, well, hold, who's that guy? That's not the guy that's that we've had all these misgivings about for all these years. But he never did that. Am I saying he should have? It's not his. It, it shouldn't be his job to, like, overturn the decision making of the people who place him in a certain role. I get that. But. And yes, they're the ones who fucked up by not bringing him along in a way that would have brought the most out of him as a player. But uh, but I'm just going to go back and repeat the same thing. At some point, you, I think you do need to force the issue. And you never force the issue. But again, it's the sort of thing. And I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I understand where you're coming from. But it's kind of like, okay, forcing the issue. It seemed at every step of the way, the front office brought in players that that we knew were going to block him. Right. I'm not disagreeing with that. Right. So I guess that that's you can say that Frank should have been more aggressive, that he wasn't filling in in the role that should have been there. But then it goes back to, okay, if the front office knew that, then why did they keep him? If that wasn't going to be who he is, why can't you find someone who says, great, I understand what his strengths are. Let me maximize those and do what I can do. I think he would have been gone two years ago if they could have gotten any ounce ounce molecule we, we saw subatomic reports about it, particle we saw reports of about value of value I, and you know what 
He was not traded for a second round pick on draft night in 2019. We always assumed slash hoped at the time and afterwards that the reason he wasn't traded for a second round pick in 2019 was because they wised up and be like, what are we doing? This guy just helped beat Team USA for France. Why would we trade him for a second round pick when the reality of the situation is they may not have gotten an offer of a second round pick that was halfway decent? Of course, of course, that's very possible. But it was two years ago. But John, if you feel like, hey, this this guy that we have, we're not going to play him at all. So let's just let him languish and not trade him, period. I mean, if the if there were reports that there, there was at least one offer with second round picks on the table. Thank you. My cat agrees. So it's the sort of thing where if you need to do something, something to get a value out of him, but they chose not to. And that's the thing. I, I want to go back to what you wrote in your newsletter. Cause you know, and the reason I'm, I'm, I don't want to say picking it apart, but you wrote something that I feel no, like please, great text for us to go from. So, I mean, you said for all the little things he does that made a segment of the fan base fall in love with him. Nilakina is a player who three different coaches looked at and thought I can do better. Yeah. So that, and I'll give you the floor in a second, but have you been in jobs where the, your boss makes you feel small, makes you feel like you're, well, I'm only five, six, there. so it's not that hard to make me feel small. <laughs> Emotionally small. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So you know how tough it is to shine yeah. when, you, when you know that the person in charge has no thoughts or care whatsoever to try to help you improve, that they're always looking for other people. And that's that. And it's, you know, it's on you to try to swim, right? You have to do things. But we're talking about something where it's like, what opportunity do you really have? And th- I think that's what drives me crazy. It's like, if, if we're talking about David Fisdale being maybe the worst fucking coach that we've ever seen, how are we then turning it around and using it against Frank as like, well, genius David Fisdale was the one who said, this isn't going to work. I'm going to find other players. So it's not he, like, it seems that the, the culture to me for the Knicks has been survival consistently. How are we going to get out of this alive? Right. That's how Steve Mills was able to go from down here to up here. Yes. He was, he was never in basketball operations. He was a finance guy and he was a shit manager he, of the salary a, cap, which is hilarious to me. I mean, yeah. just so no, many he's instances. A, he's a guy who was very good at keeping his job for another day. Right. That's what he specialized. In. Yes. And every move the Knicks made, essentially yeah. was survival. The yeah. one thing I'd say, maybe it was the project focus of Kevin Knox was like, Hey, we can build this guy up, but they didn't have the infrastructure to do that. So clearly. And also Kevin Knox might not be that good. Uh, I mean, if we could have a Kevin Knox conversation, but I think, you don't need to have a con- Kevin. Knox. Well, I, I'll say one thing, the biggest difference, because you could say, well, what about Kevin Knox? Why are you treating Frank with kid gloves and, and not Knox? Knox had far more ample opportunity to show what he can do. And we've seen it with Frank. Well, it still feels Knox started well, how many games in his rookie year? You and know, then got opportunity to play his second year, was blocked by by Morris, of course. Who I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna push back on this because briefly. They, they Frank was never given carte blanche that Knox was without right. question. But the the rug that was pulled out from under Knox after he was told, this is how we're going to develop you. He was told that we're going to develop you by letting you go out, fucking play through your mistakes. There will be no fault on your, uh, like on your part by going out, experimenting, trying to figure it out. 
And like, we're, we're with you for that. We're, we are, we are on board with you for that whole process. We're going to give you the three years that Calipari says you're going to need. And that lasted one year. And then he came back in the second year and be like, Oh yeah, all that shit we told you about figuring your shit out on the fly. Yeah. That's not going to go anymore. We need to win now because as you just said, we all need to save our asses. And Kevin Knox was like, what? Oh, okay. And then he tried to basically, you know, he went from doing all the, trying all the stuff he, look, I'm, I'm getting off on but, a tangent. But Knox here, but. missed one game in his second season, which was the COVID year, right? He was still playing 18 minutes a game. <sighs> and then the Knicks gave him the opportunity to have a solid backup spot with under tips, right? Yeah. And what did he do? He, he blew it. Advantage because, it. because he was already, he was I think doing, he was a broken player by this year. Sure. That, that could be the case. But, but this, again, it goes into the whole thing of, the mindset of how are we going to get by, I, by the skin I, of our teeth? They don't want to thrive. They want to survive. And I mean, look, again, I, I still like I've, I've wiped my hands clean of Knox, but I still recognize that he is uh, a victim of this entire situation. Of, of, they're all victims. Right. OK, so uh, if they're all victims, no, one, no one's disagreeing with that. I'm, I'm just coaches coach to save their jobs, too. Of course, Whether, because Mike Miller did the same thing. Exactly. Fizz was doing the same thing. Horn show shit. Right. I was wrong. That line is it was that four line, coaches. It was four coaches. Right. Wow. Talk about things I've wiped from my mind. The Mike Miller era. How you doing? Um, look, <laughs> coaches want to win games, often to the detriment of the franchise that they coach for. Uh, if they thought Frank could help them win games, I think they would have given Frank a chance to help them win games yes. at the end of the day. I, I don't, that's, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm sorry for oversimplifying it like that, but I think at some, sometimes in oversimplification, there is truth that lies within that. Uh, and I'm not denying that again, Frank was responsible for a lot of what he couldn't, couldn't do. I just, I understand that he didn't necessarily fit what the Knicks want right now. Right. Which is they want someone of the archetype who can pull up, who can catch and shoot. Who can who can pass well? Who's not as hesitant? Who can drive? Frank checks off maybe the spot up shooting. He's, he checks off the defensive as well. But I guess that's the thing, right? It seems like if what we saw from Frank this past season, and even if he was used sparingly, it it went on long enough where it felt like, hey, like he's still connecting on shots. This isn't just like a, a ten game sample size fluke. Like it went on longer, and he was, I think he was like in almost the ninetieth percentile in spot up shooting. Again. There's there is value in a player. It's just a matter of if he fits what the Knicks are doing. He did he does not. He did not. And how you can maximize that even further. And yeah, basically, and they, the and they didn't was, do it. We, right. But again, that then goes back to the broader point as well, which is that the Knicks purposely brought in players who who were better than Frank. Of course, they were better than Frank. But it's the thing where it's like yes, at a certain point. <laughs> no one was in Frank's corner. The only person who was in Frank's corner mutually agreed to leave the organization a week and a half later. If that I am a hundred percent on board with every single thing that you're saying. I, and I, this is, I think we can end it here. They, they never gave Frank an honest to goodness chance to be what his destiny is in the NBA, which is something between a really good seventh man on a good team or maybe a lower level eighth man on a mediocre team. All of us who are in Frank's corner at this point in time, believe if he ever goes on to play for an NBA champion and who knows, maybe Dallas becomes that next year. Wouldn't shock me in the least. That is what he is. 
He's a seventh slash eighth man. Right. And that is my point. We have been sitting here and fucking arguing about this for four fucking years over a 7.5 man. That but, is not, but, I'm sorry, but that's, but that's not no, what you're supposed to get from the ninth, eighth pick in the draft. But I just talked to you about the fact that the expectation is supposed to be the starter. And that's really not the case that it is. It, it's a backup player, which is the fucking seventh and a half man. Is it not? If we're talking about players in that baseline, that is exactly what he is. And at a certain point in the beginning, sure, it's this feeling of, oh, you know, the sky's the limit, all this stuff. And you think he can be a better player. Fine. But then, then it know- gets to a point where it's like, okay, cool. He's a soup. He's how many times have we said Swiss army knife yes. type of player who can, who can just come off the bench and be a productive player for that, for, exactly. for that role. Right. And so, you know what? Maybe he was worth the pick. He wasn't worth the argument. That's to you. But again, I, I, and I'll say this. And then if you want to end it, we can go there. You wrote. And I, I want to quote you here because I, I want you. I want to make sure it's correct. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to I'm going to as I banter to look to find it. Right. Because I was I was surprised. I was surprised when I when I saw it. And I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. I'm, and I'm, I'm doing a great surprises. job of stalling for time because it doesn't seem the to be here. Mitchell oh, thing? Found it. Sure. What's funny is that of all the things I've written about him, not once have I ever typed out the words that most accurately describe his place in Nick's history, the biggest draft mistake the franchise ever made. Huh. Frank Nilakina is the biggest draft mistake the Knicks have ever made. And I, and I went on to clarify that is not to say that he's the worst, like there was a better player they could have taken. And instead they took this other guy and then comparing those two guys, because specifically I, I wanted to point out that they were in on Donovan Mitchell. They were very serious about possibly taking Donovan Mitchell. And they went on to eventually take Frank instead after whatever discussions they had internally. Of course, there were better players that were passed on by picks the Knicks have had that they reasonably, reasonably could have used on another player. I mentioned one of them, Nikola Jokic. They passed on to take fucking Clay Anthony early. But that's that's who, the second round. I mean, like... Every my, team pretty much then passed on Nikola Jokic. Yeah, but 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 my my point in writing that is because that was a, that was a moment where they could have gone the other direction, reasonably speaking, and they didn't. They went with Frank instead of Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is probably going to make an All NBA team this year. He's going to be a top fifteen player in the league. Frank Nolakina is a guy who is. I don't know if if you asked every GM around the league to make a top 250 list, how many of those lists is he appearing on? Obviously it's none, but the point I, what I don't understand from this list, right? It's like, what? I, I get you're not, you're not honing in on that. It was specifically Frank and, and look at the difference. Right. But, but like the Knicks are also in a similar position where like they picked a worst French player in Frederick Weiss and yeah, they picked yeah. him over the man who is now known as Meta World Peace. Yeah, but it, but again, I, I just I guess I don't I still don't fully understand what you're saying here because isn't every worst pick or like every bad pick inherently like the Knicks should have picked so and so the Knicks should I, have done this instead? So I should have made it even more clear, which is to say, if there were other situations in the past, and like for instance, they drafted uh, Bill Bellamy or not Bill Bellamy, um, uh, Jesus Christ, Bill Bradley oh, oh. over uh, over some players of some renown. Uh, like, were they really in on those other guys? No, because it was always going to be Bill Bradley. Bill Bradley was like the no doubt about it. Like he was always going to be the first pick in that draft. There was no decision-making process. Is it possible that they were really on the fence about taking Ron Artest instead of Frederick Rice? And then at the last second they took Weiss? Maybe. And maybe I just don't remember it. 
Would that be in this conversation? Sure. But Ron Artest never made an all-star team. Donovan Mitchell is going to be one of the uh, is going to be one of the defining characters in this league for the next decade. And they were they were all, they were very close to being in on him. Right. That's that's the, I think. But, they but were. wouldn't it I, be I mean, worse based on everything I've read? But wouldn't it be a worse situation if the Knicks just completely didn't want Donovan? Like we know they tried to trade in for Donovan Mitchell. We know they wanted a second pick to be able to snoop to, to snatch him up. Wouldn't it be a worse situation if the Knicks had zero interest whatsoever? Like Bam Adebayo, when they when the Knicks picked Kevin Knox yes, over Bam, and Bam was on the same right, wasn't that the same year? He he worked out for them, or is he, it, no? It's 2017. 2017 was the no, Bam, no, right? ba, uh, no, Bam. Okay, so no, you're right. Um, again, we this is where we get things confused. You're right. Bam was Bam was the Frank year, right? Um, and, and then Kevin Knox, they passed on uh, Shea Gilders Alexander, yes. Michael Porter Jr., Mikal Bridges. Those so are the let's, three. Let's stick with. With Bam and the Frank here because it's Frank. Bam worked out for the Knicks and then they just yes. didn't want. That to me hurts more than the idea of we really want Donovan Mitchell no, and we no. just didn't have the gas to go get him. Look, I don't care about Donovan Mitchell anymore. I just wrote this sentence because I think it's true, not because it still actively bothers me. It doesn't bother me in the least because we have a team now that I think we're on the verge of doing something very special. And more importantly, we have a new regime. If that regime who made that decision was still in place. If literally any of those people were still in power and still had the authority to make decisions for this franchise. Yes, I agree. It would be much worse if they didn't even look his way. But the fact that like there is a reasonable universe that they could have had Donovan Mitchell, like again, it's not something I really, I, I don't spend time thinking about this. I just right. wanted to point it out. Cause I think it's true. No, I hear you. But then in that sense, if you're if you're happier with where the Knicks the direction is now, then I'm very the happy with where things are. Donovan Mitchell and, and still stuck with the front office, then I think it's the sort of thing where, like for me, I just accept Frank as cool. I'm happy with where the Knicks are. It was a necessary part of getting to where we are now. It would be great <laughs> if the Knicks weren't in that place. But no, if if we want to do a kind of a what, you know what? scenario, Hold on. Can we if you get Donovan Andrew? Mitchell, then you're can probably you? what does your team look like? You're not having R.J. Barrett, right? Andrew, can you look up a good uh, flower delivery service in L.A.? I want to send a dozen bouquets of roses to David Fisdale, because by your logic, Jeremy, we should all be singing fucking Fisdale's praises because he's more responsible for the current regime being here. Yes, than anyone. 100 percent. The Knicks were a dog shit team for years. We just talked about that. Everyone was focusing on survival. And now we have a front okay, office. That fine. So now we're, now we're at the point of being happy. They took Frank because it helped fuck up things enough that but everybody. What would, what would Donovan Mitchell? What would Donovan Mitchell have done with Steve Mills and Scott Perry? I by your logic, you're talking about a team where it's like, OK, cool. We got this guy in here what are we doing with it Jerry, you're doing I'm not, nothing i'm not disagreeing with you which is why i said a second ago i'm not sitting here having any regrets but if we're right if i think it's fair to point out when a team makes a mistake in the draft i didn't say i didn't with the words i didn't write were um the biggest draft mistake the knicks ever made and one that still eats at the franchise to this very day i didn't write those words well isn't it I is it not implicit when you say that it's the biggest draft no, mistake the team's I, ever made, I, I, isn't that basically saying I didn't mean that's to going to carry over? I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to apply that at all. Okay, because I'm just saying that's the implication that I get when I see this is the worst thing that ever happened. Then that is still going to haunt the team when it's that is in recent history. Not what I meant. I just gotcha. meant strictly in terms of like looking at the guys that they were reasonably looking at and should have been looking at, and the decision they made purely from that perspective. That's it. That's all.
You guys good? You want to hug it out? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Au revoir, Mr. Nilakina. And it's time oh to play I Know the Knicks! <laughs> Uh, this is our game show for the off season because as John mentioned a couple minutes ago, there's nothing else going on except Frank and Mitch getting fat. Uh, and in this game, we're actually going to switch up the rules a little bit. We're going to try something new that a YouTube commenter suggested uh, instead of you guys going back and forth. And if one person misses, you're out. When one person misses, the other person gets to go as many times as they want. When they miss, the other person's back in and they get to go as many times as they want. The categories are 2021-22, post-decisions, post-July 8th, 2010, and post-me, since I've been born, because I'm not going to make you know something that happened before I was alive. Now, we have a, a twist on this week's categories. They're all Julius Randle themed. Yes. Okay. So you're gonna, hopefully, you know about the, the most recent all NBA selection, Julius Randle, the guy that's going to be here for the next four or five years. We, we hope for now and, and forever. John, you won last week. So you get to go first. Which category are we going to start with? Post Andrew. Post me. Okay. This has 11 different options, 11 different answers. Uh, Julius Randle just had a historical season. He went for 24, 10, and six. He is one of three players in NBA history to average that for a season with Larry Bird and Nikola Jokic being the other two. Since the 88-89 season, 12 Knicks, including Julius Randle, so 11 other Knicks, have had this in one game. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. John, you get to go first. You guys have to name all 11 Knicks that have done this at least once in a basketball game. 24, and it has to be 10 rebounds, 6 assists. 10 rebounds, 6 assists, at least. Since 88-89? Yes. All right, uh, Ewing. Correct. Did it 11 times. Oh, no, I keep going? No, now, Jeremy. Now, so that's the thing. When someone's out, when someone gets one wrong, then the other person just has the ball until it's time. Okay. All right. Carmelo Anthony. Correct. He did it five times. Um, Since 88-89. Um, man, this is actually a lot tougher than than it looks. Uh, Amari, Amari did it once, correct? Jeremy, David Lee, that's a great call. Did it eight times, Jeremy? Wow, I wouldn't even think to go that direction. But yes, David Lee did it eight times. 24, eight, 24 10 and six. The uh, yeah, the assists make it make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just mentioned Randall obviously is on this list with the most. He did it 16 times. Wow. He did it the most. Yeah. 16, 16 times. That is how historic that last season he was from, a, so, from at least from this perspective. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And this is the first one that I feel less than certain about, but um, give it a shot. Um, Anthony Mason. That that is an unreal call. He did it once. Yes. Good job, John. <laughs> I don't know how you got Anthony Mason. I thought you would go another it was direction. A really? It was a point forward. It for was. Don, I, I don't just, know when he did it. Maybe he did it for Don Nelson when Don Nelson was trying to make him a point forward. But, but the point is he did it once and you got it. Like he's one of the few that did it once, which is impressive. Okay. So yeah. correct. Jeremy. Let's see, it's a tough one. Tough act to follow. Anthony Mason. Um, man. So I was trying to think of like, yeah, again, who passes enough for it to qualify as six assists I, in this case. Um, oh God, there's, there's one, <laughs> ah, man. Okay. I'm going to, I don't think he got it, but especially given his, his tenure, but, uh, I'm just thinking of, of big men who pass, uh, oh, no, but 24 points. That's ridiculous. He didn't get there. All right. I'll fuck it. I'll, I'll just do it. Joakim Noah. No, incorrect. No way. Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. 24 points. But Andrew's face made me think like, oh, there's a slight chance. Well, I thought you, know, you were going a direction that. Well, all right. right enough. We'll, anyway, we'll let you answer. So John, I, you, you can go until steals. you get he one get wrong. It. Yes. So I, I'm thinking that um, maybe going the other direction and it's it's uh, there are players on the, the rest of the list or most of the rest of the list because there's only five players left, right? There um, are six players left. I thought you said it was uh, Randall was one of 11. One of 12. Oh, one it's of 12. Randall and then okay, 11 more. Randall right, so and then 11 So there's more. six players up. I think it's going to be a lot of guards that happen to get 10 rebounds in a game. Um, but that said, I am going in a in a, um, a different direction. No, you know what? I'm not going to go in a different direction yet. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say Mark Jackson. That's correct. That's one. Mark Jackson did it three times, by the way. Okay. Um, I really don't think John Starks ever got 10 rebounds in a game, so I'm not going to go in that direction. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, Stephon Marbury. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. John is currently winning 4-2. to two. There are five remaining answers. Uh, I, I agree with the guard part. Uh, Raymond Felton. Incorrect. John, yeah. back to you. Can't believe I'm going. This is the big guy that's on my mind. Enos Cantor. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. Oh, Jeremy Lynn. There you go. <laughs> Jeremy, incorrect. Back to you. <laughs> I think I, what I'm going to have to do is like you guys get five strikes and you're out. It's, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's how we'll have to do it. Yeah. So are you go. keeping track of strikes? Yeah. Yeah. You both okay. have. Uh, I have Jeremy one more has, than he does. Jeremy has three, three strikes. strikes. You have two. Um, I mean, he he got 10 rebounds a game like it was his job. I have to think there are a few handfuls of games that he scored 24 points. Did he ever get six assists in one of those games? He was here for a long enough time, so let's give it a shot. Uh, Charles Oakley. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. God. Double check. Yeah, Oak didn't do it. Okay. I will. This is the hint, because you're both at three strikes. So okay. the hint I'll give both of you is that the remaining five have all done it once. So this was all a rare occasion. Great. I feel like that's not a hint, but thank you. But now like you're going to all now think of somebody that maybe had like one good game. And this speaks to two guys in particular that if you were there, you're there and you remembered like, oh, wow, this guy had one really good night. Oh, wow. Okay. And then there's, there's, there's one that is a very prominent Nick. 
Okay. That's a big hint. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's many prominent Knicks you haven't said yet, but it's I'm true. just saying there's there's yeah. one that is a very prominent Knicks. I'll say Clyde. It's, uh, it's 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, 80, <laughs> Roman Rao. <laughs> 889. Um, okay. Terms of probably. Oh man, I, the, the the passing part is the hardest. That's what's tripping me up so much. Mm. Um come on, we need a name. 88, 89 to now, 24 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. Yeah, no, I, I'm aware of the category. I, I am filling time <laughs> for our name. listeners. Hey, listen, John took how long last week? He's like, I'm going to take my time. And I felt like, allowed to take I my time. Filled time. I, I did not. I don't, I don't recall that at all. I know. Definitely. You could not take your time just while you do. I am filling time. <laughs> that is all I say. <laughs> it's no shame. Uh, losing. John, no the, the, uh, there's no shame in losing. I know. The Clean Eastwood movie is good, by the way. I enjoyed it, at least. I'm excited about that. Cry Macho. Yeah. Um, all right. Screw it. Spreewell. Latrell Spreewell did it that once. Was, Jeremy keeps it going. That was who I was going to say. Oh, well, you didn't. So. But you didn't. Um, okay. Yeah, okay, Clyde. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> there are four remaining names. Jeremy, your ball still. You're currently trailing four to three. Uh, no. No, yeah, John is four. You, no, we're tied. Three. We're tied at this point. Who did you say that I missed? I said Mello. I said one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, only seven names have been mentioned. He's really? got four. You've got three. Yeah. Yeah. And then Randall's the eighth. Oh, yeah. This one. All right. Um, Rod Strickland. Incorrect. John, back to you. Charles Smith. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. It's my last one. Okay. Um, Thank you to the listener. This work. This is much more fun. That this is. I like how this has gone so far. Me too. Uh, prolific scorer. Somehow rebounds. That is my last one. So uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Jennings. Incorrect. Jeremy's out. And now John, can you get one of the four remaining players? Probably not. Um, and all did it one time. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Nate Robinson. Incorrect. John is out. Okay. So John wins the round four to three. He's currently leading four to three. Um, in 2018. Would you want to list all 12 players? Everyone we've had so far? Yeah. Oh, so said oh, so wait. far. What? Uh, it was, well, we listed Ewing, Mello, Amare, David Ewing? Lee, Mason, yeah. Mark Jackson, Spreewell, and then Julius. Uh, Moody did this, didn't he? Moody did not. So okay, in 2018, in March of 2018, Michael Beasley. Went for 24 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists. Awesome. Um, in 2018, uh, the following season, Alonzo Trier went for 24 points. Uh, where is it? 10 rebounds and seven assists. In 2004, Keith Van Horn went for 30 <laughs> points. 12 rebounds, seven assists. And then oh. Gerald Wilkins in 1990. Oh, no. I was, <laughs> went, it was, he was one of the, I was not going to guess any of the other three, but I had Gerald Wilkins in my head. He went for 30 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. Scored Those a lot of points. The remaining four. Yes. With the Knicks. Yeah. All right. Um, 
And it's funny because I I tried to sneak Alonzo Trier into a previous category. I was wondering if you would bring him up. Uh, Jeremy, you get to go. You get to pick uh, which category we're going to do next. Let's do this past season. This past season, Julius Randle uh, really worked on his game offensively, especially from an efficient level. He scored 30 points. Uh, close to 15, uh, actually exactly 15 times last year against 11 different teams. Can you guys name the 11 teams that Julius Randle scored at least 30 points against last year? Jeremy, you get to go first. Dallas Mavericks. That is correct. Did it, it. once. Was scored 44 <laughs> against the Mavericks. A very fun game. Um, Man, I'm, I'm, I'm bad with, with, uh, with these. Um. You're going to win this uh, category pretty easily, I think. Okay. Um, Again, 30 pe- points. Pelicans. There you go. Did it twice against the Pelicans last year. 33 and then 32 in overtime. Jeremy. The Hawks. Had 44 and then 40 in two separate games against the Hawks last year. Correct. And that was, I think, the first time The first time he did for at least 40 against the Hawks was the first time the All-Star stuff became serious. Lakers. Did it twice against the Lakers. Uh, the 34 at home and then 31 on the road in overtime. Correct. This is where it actually gets tricky for me. It, it, it already got tricky for me. Well, you're doing just fine. No, you got the, the whole league. It's an option, obviously. The Mavs, teams, right? Or 11. The Mavs and the Hawks were the obvious ones. What are you saying, Jeremy? 12 games or 11 games, you said? 11 teams 11 that teams. he did this exactly. against. So he did it 15 times, but you've already named three that he did it twice against the Hawks, right. the Pelicans and the Lakers. Um, yeah. Again, this gets a little trickier. I was trying to think of like his great games, but um, at this point you could name a team. That's that's true. He could mm-hmm. just name a team. They have 25 other options. That's, thank you for doing basic math for me. This is me filling time. I Jeremy. get. I know what you're doing, Andrew. This isn't my first rodeo. Um, uh, Celtics. Incorrect. John, you have the ball. Hornets. Did it once against the Hornets. In fact, I'm pretty sure this is the last game of the season they did it against the, the, the last week. Oh, no, it was before that. He did it in April against the Hornets. So, correct. You have to keep going. Um... Hmm. No, that's uh, Kings. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. Pistons. Uh, incorrect. John, back to you. Um, Raptors. Did it once against the Raptors? Correct. And the Raptor game was he had thirty-one points, and he did it during the winning streak. There you go. The the game that John missed for the christening. That's right. Rockets. Correct. 31 Uh, points against the Houston Rockets. Keep going, John. um, Cleveland Cavaliers. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. God damn it. Um, (laughs) I don't want it. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Let's see. So we got four more teams. Four more teams. Yes. Okay. Um, and I've, I've already said this or I already hinted at it that there's one team he did it twice against of the remaining four teams. There's at least 30 points. At least 30 points. Okay. Um, I already said that. Again. Uh, maybe the Pacers? Incorrect. Sean, back to you. Uh, I didn't say the Wizards, did I? Yeah, you didn't. Is that your answer? Yeah. 
That's correct. Did it 37 against the Wizards the day before the or the game before the trade deadline. Um, hmm. We have three remaining teams. Jeremy already says this. Um, okay. Uh, the no, I don't think he did it against. Them. I keep wanting to say this, and if I don't say it and I get it wrong, I'm going to kick myself. So uh, I'm going to say it. Uh, the Sixers. Incorrect. Okay. Jeremy, back to you. You guys both have three strikes. Kings. I said Incur- Kings already. You said Kings. Yes. Then it's a repeat answer. Jeremy, keep going. Okay. I think that's how we'll do this. This rule again. This is the the version 4.0 of this sure. so far. Why not? Yeah. Although um, Jeremy should have taken a shot. Should have to take a shot if we're doing that. If game, you try to, if you try to draft a player in a fantasy draft that somebody's already taken, that so. is very true. Rich, Jeremy, unfortunately for you, the Giants lost on Thursday, but I have Graham Gano, and I'm very happy with how the Giants just had a knack for getting in field goal range and then deciding, you know, what, we're going to stop moving the ball forward, and yeah, he got me 21 points. Like I said about Steve Mills. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to get worse to get better. Like Steve um, Mills runs my fantasy team. Which is perfect. Okay. Go ahead. Let's do. It's hard to keep track of the teams now. Okay. Um, I, I got one. Thunder. Incorrect. John, back to you. Okay. Don't mind. I'm just keeping track of myself. Um, the Warriors. Incorrect. Jeremy, back to you. You guys each have one strike left. I don't feel good about this. Um, <laughs> this is great. Nets. The Nets twice. Good job, Jeremy. We forget that. That's amazing. Yeah, he be scored thirty against the Nets twice. Yeah, he scored thirty and then thirty three against the Nets. There you go. One of the games, the game he scored thirty three was the infamous uh, Scott Foster uh, block by Kyrie that was called a travel, where Julius thought he was fouled. No. Rockets were set. Correct. Yes, Yes. Rockets were set. Okay. Our two remaining teams. Spurs were set. No. Spurs were not set. Is that your answer? No, no. <laughs> okay, this is not a good game. Um, uh, great game. And thirty points. Uh, in a game. Timberwolves. You said incorrect. Yeah. Jeremy is out for this round. John, there are two more teams. Uh, I'll say Grizzlies. Incorrect. You guys are both out. The two remaining teams. Um, he scored thirty-four points. Um, in a win. Let me find it. There it is. 34 points in a win in April. It was the first game after the losing streak had ended. Or the, the winning streak, streak ended against the Suns. He then played the Bulls and Julius oh, Randle scored 34 points. And then the other remaining game was not known as a Julius Randle game. It's known as an Austin Rivers game. They beat the Jazz oh. earlier in the season and Julius Randle scored 30 points in that game. Would not have said Utah. 30-16-7. Okay. I think that was... That was an early indication of like, there's, there's a, this is a different Julius Randle. Something going on here. Okay. Yes. All right, John, last category. And this is a big one. Um, Wait, what's the score? The score is John is winning 10 to six. Great. At the moment. Okay. Um, there are 24 options here. So Jeremy, you're, and you're going to have a chance. This is since the decision and there are 24 answers available. So Jerry, Julius Randle, what he worked on this season was his three-point shooting. And for the first time in his career, he shot 40% from the field uh, from three on a very high volume. In fact, so much so that he had 
four different instances this season where he made six three-pointers in a game. Can you guys name the 24 players since the decision that have made at least six three-pointers in a game for the Knicks? Twenty Since the decision, 24 players who have made at least six three-pointers a game for the Knicks. Correct. Okay. Uh, I go first? Correct. Let's go. Mellow. And you got it 12. 12 different times Kamala Anthony did this. Um, Steve Novak. Steve Novak did it surprisingly fewer than I thought he did. He did it 12 times. Great. Uh, J.R. Smith. Correct. This is the biggest shock of the thing is that he did it the second most time on this list. Although, if you think that. back to that era, he he, he was green light for J.R. Smith. Did it 10 times in his Knicks career. So, correct. Jeremy. Um, let's see. Six three-pointers in a game since the decision. I feel like he did it maybe once. Porzingis. Porzingis did it once, which, again, another shocker. I just misremembered the Porzingis era that he made more threes, but yeah, Porzingis did it once. Um, Reggie Bullock. Correct. Reggie did it four times last season. It's a good call, by the way. Jeremy, back to you. Looked at those stats a lot. Oh, very true. Um, Emmanuel quickly. Emmanuel quickly did it once. Yes, one time last season. Wow. I would have actually forgotten that. Um, Marcus Morris. Hold on. Let me update the score. Yes, Marcus Morris did it twice. So correct. Uh, Good job so far, by the way. You guys are, are hitting on a lot. A lot of recent ones, obviously. Yeah. But you guys are hitting on a bunch. Yeah, there's going to be some mid-decade ones that are going to be not as easy. Yeah, a little bit. There, uh, there's legit four names on here You, I'm just preparing to tell you about that you're not going to say. Six threes. Six threes in a game, yes. There's one, it basically rides or dies on, on one of the games I'm thinking of. So, going out on a limb, probably shouldn't at this early in the stage. You have five strikes to play just with. do it. Just yeah, but then John can run with it is the thing. That is true. I, That's true. That's yeah, but it's, uh, it's not really easy to run with already. It's, it gets tough. Six threes. Okay. Um, I'm going to say Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis did not. That's one strike. John, go I thought ahead. That, that Bulls game, he might have done it. It's a good guess, though. Um, okay. Um, let's go for... Should we go for a recent one? Um, here's the question. Did RJ Barrett do it last season? Is that uh, your answer? Sure, why not? RJ. RJ Barrett did it twice last season. Great. One infamously against the Celtics, which was their last loss before the winning streak started. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say Burks because I don't think Burks did it. Although if you told me he did it, uh, I would not be shocked, but I am uh, filibustering for time. Again, not going to say that. Uh, why don't we go with Ray Felton? Ray Felton did it once. Great. So good call. He, when he was on our 35 point game uh, list last week, uh, he had 38 in a game in the, what year was it? I got to keep scrolling. He did it in the 2012, 13 season, the, that season. So, so post post decision is not post mellow. Right. Which leaves me wondering if, if Gallinari ever did this and sure. Why not? Incorrect. Okay. Jeremy, back to you. I will go with Alec Burks. Alec Burks did it once last season. Okay. There you go. Good, Good job, call. Jeremy. Thank you for the assist. Anytime. <laughs> um, Austin Rivers. 
Austin Rivers did not, but I was shocked because he did five twice. So. Yeah, that was five yeah. on the on the on the button. I do remember that yeah. actually. Um, good call though. I like that guess. Um, okay, uh, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd did it once, and I want to say it's that Nets game. Let me look. Yeah, it's against Brooklyn, the infamous Brooklyn game where he had six threes and no other field goals or free throws made. He had 18 points on six threes. Uh, um, hmm. Shump was here for a hot minute. He was here for a hot minute. He uh, was I'm indeed. Gonna, I'm going to go with Shump. Iman Shumpert did it twice, correct? Okay. Um, man, there's another name that I want to say, but I'm going to save that one for later when I'm getting really, really desperate. Um, okay. Oh my God. How have we not said, although again, nothing sticks out. So maybe he didn't do it. Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. did it six times during his tenure with the Knicks. That's an obvious one. And Um, I'm pretty sure it spans like four. Yeah. So he did it once in 2014 and then five times in 2018. Okay. Um, Hmm. I think that was probably the last obvious one. Although I don't want you to give away a hint. So don't say anything. Will not say anything. Yeah, don't don't. Um, so I'm just I'm just trying to think of some of those really 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 shitty teams. Um, oh, you know who probably did it? Um, we talked about a 42 point game. Uh, did Trey Burke do it? Trey Burke did not do okay. it. Okay, interesting. Jeremy, back to you. We said or did not say Porzingis. I can't remember. Yes, we you did. said, you it, said yeah. Porzingis. I, okay. I had all that time to think. Mm-hmm. My mind was just blank. I think next week we'll go to three strikes and you're out just for time. But like I'm I'm enjoying the back and forth of this. Well, that makes one of us. Um <laughs> God. I, there's just so many off. Okay. Um Jose Calderon. Jose Calderon is correct. Nice. Did it one sure. time. And again, when the, the episode that John wasn't here for, surprisingly very efficient three point shooter, Jose Calderon. Yeah. He always has been seven for nine from three in the game. He had 21 points on seven for nine from three in a loss against the Mavericks. Hmm. What a time to be alive that season. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but oh, no, I can't say that. Sure. You can go yeah, for it. No, I'm going to save it in my back pocket. Cause I'm already up to what? Three strikes. You've got two. So you have three more strikes. Yeah. This would be your third strike mm-hmm. or your 12th point. Makes it sound so much better. Um, <laughs> Go on a run here, Jeremy. Come on. You got You this. can do it. You got this. No, because I can't. Ah, God, not him. Not. There's a lot of those. In oh, there. I know there are. There are a whole lot of them. Need an answer. All right. Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox did not. Although. I thought like the, the big game that he would have done. The- did do it in the preseason. All right. Uh, Chris Copeland. Chris Copeland is wrong. Um. I don't know why I said it that way. Chris Copeland is incorrect. <laughs> that was so harsh. Sorry. <laughs> I was just trying to mix it up from incorrect and wrong, but that's yeah. fine. That's wrong. Totally, it's totally it's okay. Wrong, idiot. Uh, Jeremy, back to you. I was not expecting to go so quickly again. Um, okay. That's part of my strategy. Yeah. Just to throw me off my game. Mm-hmm. Yep. John just has a bunch of names that he's written down. Yep. Just throwing them out. That's what I've been doing. I was yeah. Let me just count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are 10 names remaining. Uh, I think a lot of his points are probably in the paint or mid range, but um, Jeremy Lin. Incorrect. Yeah. John, back to you. Oh, I I thought we said already, but uh, well, 
Who knows? Um, Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway is correct. Did it one time in 2015. Had 26 points on six of six from three. Um, Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley is incorrect. See, much more, much nicer about it that time. Uh, Appreciate it. You guys each have one more strike. Jeremy, to you. I mean, the dream is dead. It's over. You got to go on a run. You are trailing. It's possible. uh, Excuse me. 19 to 11. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just just a small run. run. Yeah. yeah. There are nine remaining names. If you get all nine here, you win. Oh, cool. And my back's against the wall. (laughs) Yes. Super doable. Um, Get one. Let's see what happens. Let's get start start with, one. with one. Exactly. Yeah. Like, the, like the 04 Red Sox. One the team you every, know very well. Just start every, with one game. Every fire. So why would you even bring that up? I know. <laughs> um, oh, we haven't even... We, we're, we, this is the first show you and I have been on since we dismissed the Subway Series. Then last Sunday was the most exciting baseball game of the year. I was going to say, when everyone was waving goodbye, like when Baez and Lindor were waving goodbye... Yeah. It's and like, were they also, really just waving goodbye to their season because the they haven't season. won a game since then? That was, other than that, that, that game? was literally the peak of this season, which did not have many peaks. That's a know? great peak to have. And the Yankees will now go on to the playoffs. Probably not. But um, we need an answer. Yeah. No, I, I know you do. I know you need an answer. Thank you. Specifically, John. Yeah, John. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's someone from last year's team that still that did it, but maybe not. Mm, no. Yes. No. Maybe so. Answer. I'm just. I'm drawing a blank. So the fact that I'm even going to get eight answers is it's not going to happen. So if we're thinking three point shooters after the decision, well, that is what we are thinking. Mm-hmm. No, I know we are. God, literally post decision. Um, six three pointers in a game. <laughs> it's not going to work out for me. Uh, screw it. I'll just. Oh, he barely played. That's not fair. Did we say Felton? Yes, we did. I did. Yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, I'm down real bad. Are you tapping? Yeah. No, you I'm not tap. gonna tap. I'd rather just say a name. Right. Say a name. Say a name. Um, I feel like all right. He, Wayne Ellington. Incorrect. Well, that, yeah. good that's a good guess. guess. Yeah, a good guess. he was miserable, so, but I thought he had one game. John, you right. won. How many more can you name? Tony Douglas. Tony Douglas did it twice. Correct. <laughs> Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings did it once. Correct. Aaron Aflalo. Aaron Aflalo did it once. Correct. Holy shit. John's going on a run. Now, I just, uh, I need to, my wife is badgering me to take the baby. Uh, Amari Stoudemire. Incorrect. Okay. Go. So the remain. So you, that was just a throwaway. That was, that was a throwaway just because I, I stopped to, thinking. I'm sorry. That's the, I have to go. Did Ben Udre ever do it? No, he did not. Okay. Damian Dotson did it twice though. Okay. Dot. I was I was shocked. And now these other five, if you had said these, then I think I would have just named you winner, either of you winner forever. Uh, Luke Cornette did it once. Oh. Um, Alexi Shved. Ah! I did think of Shved. I was like, no way he actually did it. Uh, Henry Walker did it once. Uh, bef- this is the during the 2011-12 season. This yeah. is one of Dan Tony's last game. Sasha Vujicic mm. did it once. Why and then Sean Williams did it once. Sean Williams has an argument for being the most anonymous Nick that actually got like some playing time over the course of the last, I don't know, ever. Uh, he's, he's up there. Yeah. Um, 
but thank you guys. Congratulations, John and That's valiant great. effort, Jeremy, in another edition, a, a Frank Nilakina sized effort. I was about to say calling, calling that, that, feels, that, that feels like a, a pretty offensive way you of put, phrasing you, that effort. But you had heart, you, you, you competed, you, you gave a valiant effort and you lost. Okay. Programming note. I am currently in the host chair and Jeremy is here. John is not. We recorded on Saturday morning and did the whole podcast. And you have to hear John and Jeremy hashed it out about Frank Nilakina. And then John reigned victorious again. And I know the Knicks. And then we signed off and totally forgot. We have a big announcement for you all. So John is not here. He was spending the lovely Sunday with his family that was the reason we had to record on Saturday. And Jeremy and I are here and we will handle this gigantic announcement. So I will turn it over to Mr. Cohen. Jeremy, what do we have to tell the people? Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, so I guess the biggest thing to start off with is over the years, we have had meetups and we have really enjoyed meeting so many of you and chatting with you, having a drink, doing all sorts of awesome viewings, like seeing the Knicks destroy the Mavericks and the Spurs and other games. And it's been a lot of fun. So We've wanted to do something a little bit more special, and we also kind of need your help to a slight extent. So we were approached by Kyle Jimenez. If you don't know Kyle, um, he works with the Knicks. He's great. Uh, he's even on Twitter. He's gotten some people some fantastic quarter season plans. And this is all also through Chris. I want to shout out Chris because he's been influential in, in doing a lot of this. But basically, and I'm, I'm bearing the lead here, we want to go to a Knicks game with you. And we want you to go to the next game with us. Um, there are some really fantastic lounge opportunities. And we really think it would be fantastic to just be able to sit, stand, watch the Knicks, hopefully win. Um, you know, it, there's some really great things that, that we could do. And we, we want to do it with you. So basically what we're, we're here doing right now is we want to have a feeler. We want to get an understanding of a lot of your interests. You know, we have a lot of fans who are global who may not be in the New York area. Um, and we know that, you know, cost might be a factor. So just want to lay out some details. We're still deciding on the game. The exact cost is to be determined. But what we can tell you is that per ticket, it would be $150 to $180. Uh, that would include food and it would include soft drinks. It would not include alcoholic drinks. There's a chance as well that there might be something before the game um, at a Knicks-sponsored um, bar in the Midtown area. Still trying to figure that out as well. But basically, there are 38 seats that are left. And what we want to know is if you're interested. So again, more details to follow. We'll, we'll hopefully finalize things in the near future. But basically, what we want you to do is to send us an email at nicksfilmschool at gmail.com telling us that you're interested um, it'll be at the bottom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, um, really just, we want to know. And then from there, we'll kind of take the process forward. Um, but we're really excited. We'll, we'll even, it, should there be a, a greater demand than we are, um, expecting, then we'll have a wait list. We'll, we'll figure something out. Right. But again, this is, um, this is just a really cool opportunity that we learned about and I'm really excited about it. And, um, after what? I mean, at least a season and a half or a year and a half, really, of not being able to see you guys in person. We're really excited for the opportunity to do that. So again, send us an email. Tell us you're interested. We'll then proceed with next steps from there, um, probably in a week or so, give or take. Right, Andrew? 
And uh, yeah, within if we'll know based on interest within a week whether right. this is something we can do or whether it's something we're not ready to do yet. Yeah. And this will probably take place in October or November. I think that should also be mentioned. Um, and we're still, you know, we're, we're, we're figuring out the kinks, but we're excited. So um, again, send us an email. Tell us you're interested. And we'll proceed from there. Did there I miss go. anything? So there's one thing that's not necessarily you miss anything because I bravo, Jeremy, behind the scenes, we've been working on the language for this for about an hour before we lead it, let into actually saying this. So bravo. The only thing is about Patreon that this isn't a Patreon event. I want to make that clear. We're not. This isn't like just if you're a patron, you can go. But we will give them first dibs if we do decide to go through with this. If you're a patron, you will have the first chances to sign up. We'll have the link up, the sign up link up, and we'll only send it to our patrons. And then after a designated amount of time, we'll open it to the general public. And then as Jeremy said, like, go, we're going to go to Madison Square Garden and watch a game in a suite. Like, I've never been in a suite of any sporting arena. So that would be a pretty huge thrill. And thank you to Kyle and Chris for, for this opportunity. I think that's all. The only other update I have is I think Zach Wilson just threw another interception, Jeremy. Yes. Yes, he did. Uh, it was an embarrassing fashion <sighs> to be sure. Um, but you know, that's uh you live and die with a rookie quarterback, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is it but. weird that like you're in your third year with a rookie quarterback? See, I gave it those stones. Like no. the well, glass you, house you, that New York football is right, right. now. Jesus I mean, Christ. That's the thing. Zach Wilson could throw stones, but they just get intercepted as well. Yeah. Okay. And then Daniel Jones just drops them on the floor for the other team to pick. Up. Hey, Daniel Jones had a great game. Can't yes, say that for Zach yes, Wilson and his career thus far. Not yet. Not yet. There you go. That's that's. See, that's this New is York the type of banter right you could be part of if you come to our event. <laughs> to see one of the only teams in my life that I have confidence won't let me down anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, that should be a warning about what this next season will be. Anyway. Uh, thank you to Jeremy and obviously to John for a very good episode. If you guys dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. We have two shows as always coming out this week. We have a Patreon episode with Jeremy. Uh, we're going to do the night, the two thousands draft on, on Patreon. So if you want to sign up and get a free episode, or, well, an additional episode of the next film school podcast for just $7 a month, uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash next film school to sign up. And until next time, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there and we will speak with you soon. Giddy up. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.